Welcome everyone back for another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and today we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on this podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, we're back with another episode of the Team Blaney podcast, fresh off the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 this past weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, a 500-mile race out there on that mile-and-a-half track. Entertaining race overall. I know a lot of people have... um, their pros and cons list when it comes to racing at Texas, especially after they kind of reconfigured the turns a little bit. Um, but the good news is, is that Texas is one of Ryan Blaney's best tracks, a track that he's won out on the Xfinity Series, led ton of laps, so we had high hopes going into this one. And it turned out to be a great points day and a, a pretty great day overall, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that as we go through the recap. Yeah, these uh, these guys definitely um, had their game uh, game faces on and uh, put together a good solid race. You know, try to stay out of trouble, try to stay away from people's mistakes, um, and don't make any of your own. And um, you know, they did everything you need to do to keep moving forward. And uh, you know, hopefully, we got two more weeks of that coming. Yeah, and uh, obviously another one where uh, it's just getting down to that crunch time. I mean, as they're they're showing the points as they run and and various other things, you forget like how how easier it seemed back in the round of you know that first round with sixteen and then twelve and then now it's down to eight and it just gets really tight. Where even just one position on the racetrack, one position uh, in a stage means so much at this point. I mean, there's guys like Chase Elliott and Joey Logano and other people that are below the cut line and obviously win and you're in. So they got two more weeks to go here, but just the tension was high. Hey, you just feel it the last couple races, especially this one for this, uh, opening round race here of the round of eight. So, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a look back here at this past weekend's race here in Ryan Blaney's run in the Auto Trader Ecker Park Automotive 500 at Texas Motor Speedway. Ryan Blaney, race recap. Texas Motor Speedway. All right, here we go. We had um, stages of 105 laps, 210 was the end of stage two, and 334 was the end of the race. Competition caution at lap 25, and uh, Ryan was starting in in fourth position. He had pit stall number two right behind the five, so all day long they could see what the five was doing and hopefully stay with them. Seems like this has been a favorite pit selection the last few weeks. Uh, He was behind Hamlin the week prior, and I think he's been up there uh, a couple of times right at the front of pit road. Um, The number nine went to the rear for whatever reason. Once again, shocker. (laughs) (laughs) you know you put shocker in the meme thing and uh you find some quite quite funny memes to to send out on that and honestly you i mean we were talking about this on sunday early sunday morning and the fact that is a ton of people i think nearly all the playoff drivers did not pass the first time through so everyone's kind of pushing the limits and one weird thing that i did hear uh from a crew chief uh, over the weekend was mentioning the fact that it was cold early in the morning there when they were going through tech and they're saying that, you know, the bodies the different things that hang on the car hang a little bit differently in the colder weather, you know, with the way things, you know, expand and shrink and stuff due to temperatures. And they kind of attributed some of that possibly to the fact that 
tons of cars were all failing because, you know, they're in a controlled shop back there in Charlotte where it's probably 75, 70 degrees, and then they take it out there early morning in Texas and it's like 40 degrees or something, and stuff might not exactly line up, especially when you're going all the way down to, you know, like the width of your fingernail or something for uh, to go through that laser scanner. So uh, Roger Penske was in the house. Uh, he wished everyone good luck on the radio there, and um, the leaders started in the low lane, and uh, we're going <laughs> to... You know, these restarts are start actually the start of the race, the restarts are all hairy because of the way that the, the package is, um, you got to get a good push from the guy behind you. And hopefully it, uh, you don't get, uh, you know, blown by somebody else. Yeah. And I, I think I mentioned this during the race in our, uh, discord chat. If you're not part of that, remember you can find, sign up for the team Blandy discord server, but it's just one of those, those tracks and arrow packages where you can lose so many spots, uh, just by making one wrong move or if somebody checks up in front of you and you check up for a second, you're going back three or four spots. But the good news with this package, too, though, is then you can immediately, if you play your cards right, make a run really fast back up to gain your positions again. And we're going to see this all day long. Yeah, you know, it usually takes, you know, two to three laps for a restart to settle out. And I kind of trying to take notes that way. It was, it was kind of tough because, you know, in turn one and two, you passed a guy or two and turn three and four, it, <laughs> you might've lost that pass uh, by lap two though. He uh, he's in the fifth, uh, fifth spot at lap six, he passes the 11 up to fourth. And at this point, you know, lap eight Penske is three, four and five, you know, the 22, the 12 and the two are all up there in the top five. And, um, by lap 11, he's still P4 and only about a second and a half back of the lead. That's another thing. Um, for a good 10 to 15 laps after a restart, if you're up in that top five or six, you, you're you within shouting distance of the leader. You know, he doesn't get away. He doesn't check out that fast. Lap 13, still fourth there. And uh, then let's see, the nine car is up to 17. I, I made a note of that because he's already coming from the back pretty quick here. Um, lap 15, they're starting to lap traffic already, you know, so now that they're, they're navigating some of these guys that are uh, a little slower, um, at lap 21, he's three seconds back of the lead. And then the next lap, he passes the 18 car gets up to third. Now lap 25 is the competition caution. He's up to third and, um, he's talking about being just a little free. So pretty good. The car is pretty good shape here and, and they feel like they're a top five car at this point. Um, they have four tires. And, uh, they, they're pinning in third and out, uh, they out 10th there. So they had a little bit of something that got hung up, but, the um, 18 has a penalty. Um, lots of cars did two tires. That's actually what happened there. It wasn't really necessarily uh, a bad pit stop, but a bunch of cars came in and did two tires and, you know, because you don't have to take a fuel a full fuel load either at that point. So you might as well try something. Yeah. Beginning and, of the beginning of the strategy, I guess at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, the five and 11 didn't, uh, so, you know, they were kind of there with them. Um, <clears throat> I got return of the choose cone. Cause it's been a couple of weeks since we've had the choose cone. And, uh, you know, I get a survey, uh, once a week from NASCAR that I fill out and it's usually about, what did you think it was a good race, you know? And then they finally ask at the end for your, like an opinion on something. And every time I tell them, will you tell the networks to please shows, you know, show the choose cone. They just don't get it what line you start in, who you start behind, how that line gets takes off the leader's line versus another guy's line. Somebody who might only taken two tires or something like that totally affects the restart. And, you know, they're coming back from commercial and it's going on while they're showing, uh, 
I don't know who the heck it was. Oh, Justin Hartley. They were showing and talking to him while the choose cone thing is going on. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is a paid advertisement is what this is for some sort of animated show that, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. They're doing that for that guy, but um, I'm, I'm here to watch the race. What's crazy about this choose cone thing, aside from that whole pitch to Superman or whatever it was, um, no offense to anybody that's really into that and was really excited to see him, but um, they made the choose cone change in the first place because of how important starting positions are they were tired of guys kind of jockeying positions at the end of pit road after a pit stop and kind of clogging things up there um so they moved to this choose cone thing because you you get to see the strategy you get to see what the drivers are thinking where they think they should be who they want to be behind and then we're just missing it and it's not like they really do that great of a job or it's not really they don't do a good job they don't the you know the commentators don't have time because by the time they get back and they're ready to go restart the way that they time the the commercials and everything so they don't even have necessarily time to talk about the strategy maybe every once in a while especially on um not even on a plate race but because you can't do it but it's like oh yeah there's a teammate behind a teammate and that's really all they have time to talk about so they did that i think a couple of times when uh, larson and boat or uh Byron were lined up to where like, oh, he's probably going to get a good push with Byron behind him, but they didn't mention the fact, you know, Byron could have started on the outside of the front row, but instead he went behind his teammate or something. They just don't have that time. And that's like you said, missed opportunity. Maybe casual fans don't care about it, but uh, I know of at least two people that really care about it being you and our friend Stellanarius, who keeps track of that thing all year long. So yeah, yeah. She's got this past week. She has four out of 11 that they showed on TV in some, some manner. You know, and here's the thing. I, I'm keeping track of it because the leader was the 24. He took the bottom and Ryan took the bottom. Ryan was cho- 10 for the choose cone. So, you know, Ryan probably made sure he was still in that fifth row. He didn't lose like a position so that he was too far back or something like that or lost three or four spots on it. But he also made sure he was in the line of the leader and the leader is going to take off on that restart. And hopefully that line moves a little faster and going from 10th to 7th or something like that in a lap can happen based on where you were on that choose cone. So I really just kind of, like I said, it drives me crazy because there, you know, there's one way to gain positions uh, with this style of racing in this package. And that first way to gain positions is on restarts. You know, there may only be three or four restarts in a race. This race, uh, you know, like I said, it was like 10 or 11 of them. So you know, you have 10 or 11 chances to gain two or three spots, maybe quickly before things settle out. And it's all based on, you know, who you're lined up behind and who's lined up behind you. And, you know, the commentators, you know, they don't necessarily show it, but then later on, as the restarts happening, they're talking about who's where. So, you know, come back from commercial earlier or something, or do something so that you tape it so that we can see it real quick before they start. I don't know, but you got to do a better job of that because it's part of the race, you know? Uh, of course, the restarts at lap 30, and there's a uh, big wreck. <laughs> you know, the, the 23 there, and things happen, and people get spun around, and uh, <clears throat> Ryan is uh, 12th right now after that scramble. Uh, the choose cone after that's the 24 is the leader again. Ryan takes the bottom again. Um, and what they do is right before the uh, – well, that was the way it was going to be, but right before they come through uh, with one to go, uh, they come in for fuel. And uh, this is, this is what starts to make this whole uh, 
stage interesting is this whole fuel strategy because a couple of cars did this. I think that all the Penske cars actually went ahead and did this, but a bunch of cars did it. Uh, when they come to the green, everybody is single file on the inside lane behind everybody else. So that was kind of interesting too. I didn't realize that um, because you didn't technically do the choose cone and uh, you've come around, you fueled up, you go back out there, you get behind the pace car, you get behind the other cars, your tail end of the longest line. That's, I guess is what happens. And you're all on the inside line. You can't pass anybody till you get past the start finish line either. So it's kind of like putting down that, uh, dirt, dirt track. People know where you put the cone out there and it's single file. <laughs> it's kind of what it is from, from at least all the guys who pitted, uh, on back. Um, so he's up to 15th on that restart with all that, uh, lap 42 is up to 13th. Um, he's racing around the 99, the 99 has a good day and he had a pretty good speed, but, uh, he was hard to pass at this point. Um, by lap 48, he does get up to 10th by passing the 22. Um, he talks about a little bit of vibration on that whole run at lap 50, the top, uh, top four non-playoff drivers at this point which, you know, makes a difference in the points too. When, once you get to the end of a stage, um, at lap 55 passes the 19, the 20 gets up to seventh, uh, lap 59 passes the 21 up to sixth, uh, talks about being a little tight here, uh, laps, uh, see here, <clears throat> lap 70, he's talking about saving and, and drafting off of the nine. Um, you know, he actually mentions it. He wanted to know how many laps he had to save, um, Todd had told him like two or three laps. They were two or three laps short right when they did the, the actual initial um, uh, fuel stop. And Todd was saying at that point that they were thinking another caution was coming. And if they got one caution between there and the end of the stage, they would have stayed out, you know, gained the track position and, and they would have made it on fuel mileage no matter what. But now they're, they're talking about what to do because it's staying green. So cool thing here was they mentioned this on the broadcast actually and kind of gave ryan a little bit of props here for being um i guess showing his maturity as a driver the maturity of his race craft that um even before you know josh or todd or somebody else was talking to him about it he actually said like you said he came over the radio and asked hey should i start to save now should i be saving now um so it's just kind of showing that he knows what's going on out there as things are going on and um, took that opportunity to kind of start that fuel saving strategy. Now, uh, the <clears throat> lap 76, he's about 30 spots ahead of the 18 and they tell him, you know, if it stays green, basically everyone needs to save, you know, so there are some cars that are going to have to pit too, but, uh, who didn't come in and top off, but you know, by lap 80, um, Todd tells him, if you run like this the whole time, we should make it. Uh, lap 84, the five takes the lead at that point. Um, and there was some green flag pitting that starts happening around lap 90. Uh, at lap 94, the 18 passes him and Ryan's in seventh at this point. At lap 95, the five pits from the lead. Ryan's up to fourth by lap 96. He's up to third by lap 97. So some of these cars that had to pit came in and pitted. Um, the 18 is on that same strategy. Um, but lap 101, he's up to second place. And, uh, Todd tells them to lift in one and two. So, you know, they, they had a lot of communication during these last 20 or 30 laps on what to do, you know, get behind this guy, get behind that guy, draft off him for a little bit. If you can, um, they were definitely telling Ryan where the, 
third place car was. I mean, he had a 15, 20 second lead at one point and, uh, it get dwindled and it dwindled and it dwindled, but, uh, all he was trying to do was trying to make it to the end of the stage, uh, stage one, the 18 wins the stage, but Ryan finished second on that fuel mileage strategy. So, um, you know, Roger jumps on the radio at this point and tells everybody, good job guys. You know, they figured out something to try and it worked. And, um, you know, I sent you the text message to fire the crew chief, you know, because that's been the big joke. Uh, you know, when, when things go bad, it's fire the crew chief, but you know what Todd Gordon knew what he was doing. They knew that they were going to give it a shot and, uh, you know, sec, uh, second place stage points, um, at this point are huge. Um, winning a stage is not important now. There's no, you know, there's no carryover. You don't get that extra point to carry over to the championship. But, you know, finishing a top three or four in a stage is huge. And Ryan ends up capitalizing uh, at the end of stage one. Yeah, it's big time. And uh, spoiler alert, but Todd Gordon makes all the right calls during this, this race in Texas. Um, so that was great to see. Um, I was so nervous going into that just because, you know, I think maybe part of it was just the broadcast team you know, making me nervous, which I mean, they kind of, they want to heighten the drama there. So yeah. I really thought, I mean, there's a chance that Kyle Busch could run out. So I'm, I thought Ryan could win the stage. And then, you know, just the chance that Ryan could run out of fuel. And then as the laps tick by and the slower he's running to save that fuel, you see the other cars coming up for, up behind him. And then I was getting nervous that he was going to lose stage points. And um, luckily it worked out to there to where he finished second. And automatically, like I say each week, you know, just keep putting more money in the bank, more money in the bank. That's that's all we need. Uh, might need a little bit more in this round, depending on what happens. But it's at least a good have good to have a, a nice bank of points as you go along. Yeah. Um Four tires and fuel, they go in second, they come out fourth. Now, you know, they lose a spot or two on pit road, but the reality on this pit stop is uh, it takes them longer because they make sure the fuel cell is full and they were to- almost totally empty. They were almost on fumes. I mean, during the caution, waiting for the pits to open, they were telling them to make sure you do this, make sure you do this, you know, make sure you basically slush the car around, make sure it's got fuel in it, you know, uh, shut it off so that, you know, you can get it here. Yeah, that was the other nerve-wracking part. It was like, oh, okay, he made it. He made it to the finish line. He got the points at the end of the stage. And then, uh, yeah, when we heard that radio communication from Todd saying, you know, just shake it around a little bit, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Are we going to make it to, to the all the way up to the box? And thankfully, he did, obviously. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the choose gun with the leader of the 18 took the bottom. Ryan took the top. Uh, 17 cars were on the lead lap after all the wave rounds, and uh, Ryan was uh, – P3 for the cone there. Um, so he was in that second row. Lap 115, he gets shuffled back to seventh. And uh, lap 118, back to 10th at, at this point. Now, like I said, these restarts are really hairy. And, uh, you know, you just got to be careful. And, they, you know, big picture thinking is, you know, don't wreck. You know, some of these guys later in the race have issues on these restarts. Um, but at lap 122 in 10th place, he's only two, two and a half seconds back of the leader. Uh, he passes the 14. He's up to ninth. Um, there are four non-playoff cards in the top 10. Like I said, this will really affect the points at the end of stages and, and the end of the race, too. So uh, lap 125, he passes the 22 and the 2 all the way up to 7th after passing the teammates there. A couple laps later, he passes the 9. He's up to 6th. At lap 145, uh, you know, he's about six and a half seconds back of the lead in 6th place. At um, lap 151, he passed the four up to fifth. 
at lap 153, he passes the eight. He's up to fourth at lap 154, um, the nine pits here. Um, and at lap 166, there's a caution. They pit uh, four tires fuel. Um, they come in fourth. They go out fifth. So they pretty much hold serve here. Um, the Chuscone is the leader. It's the five at this point, And he takes the bottom. And Ryan also takes the bottom. This is, once again, happening during the commercial break. <clears throat> at lap 171 uh the restart he's in fifth uh, by lap 173 he's up to third now there's a, a lot of racing going on here with the two and the four um you know right around ryan um at lap 178 he's still in third and at lap 180 he's about two seconds back of the leader um from that position and the lap times are within one tenth and i kind of mentioned that because We've made some adjustments on the car. Everybody's made their adjustments, and he's only a tenth slower than maybe the leader. And he's running in traffic to do this, and you know, in dirty air, so it's not too bad. And I think this is a point in the race after that last stop there, uh, when you're talking about him moving up through the field until that caution came out, where he kind of holds position. He doesn't really at after this point in the race, he doesn't really lose that much uh, track position throughout the rest of this race when it comes to how far he is from behind the leader. And I'm sure you'll give us times as we keep going in the recap, but there was definitely like a, a change that happened there where they were nearly as fast as, as the Hendrick cars, but not, not fast enough to get up and pass them, but they were always hanging around uh, just kind mm-hmm. of within striking distance. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, lap 196, he's, you know, third, third position and 5.2 back of the leader. Um, at lap 210 is the end of stage two. Larson wins the stage, but Ryan finishes third. Um, 17 stage points in the two stages, uh, which, you know, TV shows you it's one of the top guys doing that. And, uh, you know, he capitalizes on good position all day. Uh, he's uh, talking about being a little too tight. Uh, Todd has some adding, adding some stagger, air pressure, tape. Uh, Roger, again, jumps on the thing, tells them that they did a great job. Uh, they pit in third, come out fourth. And we go to the choose cone. Uh, the leader takes the bottom and Ryan follows right behind him. And uh, they restart uh, lap 217. He starts out about fourth, drops a little bit to fifth in the first couple laps there, but, uh, you know, runs in the top five, lap 223, lap 231. He passes the four, gets to fourth. <clears throat> At lap 233, he's about two, three, 2.37 seconds back of the lead. Um, the 24 is talking about a vibration. I think this is just something that is, uh, has something to do with the tires and the, and the surface. Cause a lot of guys are talking about vibrations yeah, and it wasn't just, um, and I know there, there were actual tire issues that happened were that, uh, a little bit earlier on, you had mentioned the nine had pitted early during one of the runs that he showed his tire after that run. And yeah, there's, there's some cording and a big chunk taken out of it. Austin Dillon, after the race, posted a photo of one of his tires that did the same exact thing. So it's like, I don't know what it was setup wise, but, um, yeah, tons of drivers throughout this race at certain points in each run, were just saying they, all they could feel was chatter. And I, I think at some point, I think Ryan had even mentioned it too. So it's just widespread. And, um, that made me feel better, actually, the fact that mm-hmm. tons of people were doing it and nobody was just slamming into the wall like we do see sometimes. Yeah. Um, lap 253 is about four and a half seconds back of the leader, who's the five. At lap 260, he's only a half a second back of third place, which is a two car. So um, at lap 269, uh, Todd tells him we're about 10 away from pitting. 
and a caution comes out at lap 275 for the 14 car. So, um, they take four tires, fuel, um, <laughs> and, uh, they're pitting, uh, in fourth and out sixth, the, the 11 and the eight pass him in the, in, on this uh, pit stop. Uh, so he's sixth position for the cone, choose cone coming up and the leader of the five takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom and here's the, this restart Harvick goes three wide and, uh, you know, say what you want about the Harvick chase Elliott thing. Um, but Harvick has decided from here on out, he's going to race everybody hard and show up and, you know, he's trying to win too. So don't get me wrong. And they have more speed than they've had all year long. So, but he does some dangerous things around playoff guys. <laughs> I think about three different times here, you know? Yeah. My biggest issue with what he did again, I can't get angry about somebody racing hard, regardless if you're in the playoffs or not, unless you just take a, make a totally stupid move. But what made me more mad was just the fact that this wasn't the first time during the race that he took Ryan three wide. And I think out of the three or four times that he did it, it only ever actually worked once. And I think it was because they backed off and he just got by. So it was just like, it hasn't worked all race long. Why do you keep doing this? Because it actually was detrimental to him. The first couple of times that he did it, he lost multiple spots and Ryan was able to kind of push through in the middle. Um, So it's just, I don't know. That was the frustrating part to me was the fact that it wasn't actually working. It's like you did the move, you know, several times and it never worked. You know, if it's Kyle Wush who's in the in the final eight, and you know, say what you want about him, also, but if he, you know, a guy that's in the final eight, let's say, and he's trying to do that, I under, totally understand it because you got a guy in the final eight trying to pass another guy in the final eight. But when you got a guy who's outside that now, and he's getting up in there, and like I said, he has enough speed to run with them, but you know, being dangerous about it, 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 it it's kind of a shaky thing. Um, lap 284, Ryan's in sixth. At lap, the next lap, he gets himself to fifth. And um, about three or four laps later, 292 there, actually. He's only 1.6 back at the leader. At lap 230, caution comes up for the 22 blowing up. <clears throat> um, this caused a little bit of, <laughs> everybody, yeah, their eyebrows, yeah. eye, eyebrows kind of raised. like It's like, uh-oh, because you, you know it comes. I mean, when it... Uh, with any parts thing, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, you know, the Hendrick cars are having issues with their alternators and batteries and the, you know, the belts. And it's just like, uh oh, usually when one thing happens to one teammate, it's gonna, it's like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Uh, I guess one thing to remember at this point, though, was that this is a long race mm-hmm. compared to other races. I think they had already passed 400 miles at this point, which, you know, is kind of the average race during the season. So it's like, okay, they've, they've pushed beyond the normal range here and then something else to point out about this engine failure is that it was the first engine failure for logano in seven years mm-hmm. so yeah that's yeah, pretty that's impressive pretty, track record pretty, for uh roush uh yates engines yeah and and the driver too that says a lot about how he handles the equipment you know um they stay out for this caution um they do show the ju- the choose count at this point too the leader, um, the choose cone, the leader takes the bottom, um, and Ryan takes the top, uh, the top eight actually stayed out. So the, some other cars came in, tried to get tires thinking it would help them. Um, the least restarts, uh, restarts at lap three Oh four, uh, Ryan's in row three on the top. Uh, then we get that caution for their 38 car. Um, <clears throat> so Alfredo, somebody burned the pasta. 
Uh, it was pretty scary. Dangerous a little there. scary, yeah. And yeah. I, I, he's done some interviews since the crash, and uh, actually mentioned that when he went to get out initially, why it took so long, he got hung up, and actually gave some kind of good insight into what might go through the mind of a driver. He said, "I, I went to get out. I got hung up. You know, it's smoky." He said, so, you know, we're taught, he's like, the first thing was just to not panic, because if I just start yanking things around, I might actually get caught up more in the wires and everything. So he said, I took a deep breath, I untangled myself, and then I got out and, you know, didn't necessarily realize that the flames were all over. And he says, I just kind of hopped out and walked away. And, you know, he said it, it looked scarier when he watched the replays of it. But I thought that was interesting insight to talk about. You know, you can't panic in those situations because right. it could make it worse. And luckily, they're trained, and he's you know well trained in all of this, and was able to walk away from that one. But yeah, that was a, that was an unfortunate incident that happened there, and uh, yeah, it kind of happened along a lot of those restarts, and kind of set off a a chain of events here, <laughs> leading all the way to the end of the race. Yeah, they, you know, the lap three hundred five, they throw the red flag for it uh, while they clean it up. Brian's in six at this point. Um, so when they do come back to it, the, the choose cone here, the leaders, the five takes the bottom. Ryan also takes the bottom. He's in row three. Uh, they didn't show this choose cone either. <laughs> you know, we're only a couple laps from the end of the race, you know, um, lap three eleven. Um, <laughs> I hear the words middle of three <laughs> and he's in sixth. Um, and once again, the th- this is the third time the four car took them right, took them three wide on a restart. Um, and this is, I think the Reese, this is the one where Ryan gets pinned between him and the 11. And, uh, you know, you'll hear a couple different things. If you watch the, watch the race, um, you know, where, you know, Ryan on the radio didn't feel like he did anything wrong. And he definitely, of course, he doesn't want to hurt his car first and foremost. So he's not trying to hit anybody. Uh, he may have wiggled a little bit. Um, but Denny, when you get Denny's post-race on this whole thing, Denny definitely understands what happened. Um, Denny doesn't yell and blame Ryan at all. You know, he realizes that Ryan was pinched there. They were three wide. Nobody's going to let off the throttle. Okay. Nobody's going to give up the position. And, uh, you know, it was just a racing thing. Um, you know, you have to remember Denny got. You have yeah, to remember what happened early in the race um, with Bubba Wallace. He went, I mean, I think that started more on a straightaway where he lost it, but still he went three wide mm-hmm. and lost the car and wasn't able to hang on. So when Ryan did make that bobble there and then ended up getting pushed up into the 11, which is kind of what happened, um, I was nervous. Um, I think there's a chance maybe Ryan's exhaust. I mean, you, you are going to talk about it here, but this does end up in some contact with the 11 that mm-hmm. is detrimental to him. But I think, you know, his, his exhaust pipes might have got up in there and and cut the tire or just the fender hitting it, cutting the 11's tire. But yeah, that easily could have happened to Ryan as well. So lucked out, I guess, in this situation. But it was an example of the four car, I believe. was It was the four, right? Yeah. Taking them three wide. Three wide. And actually hitting him and hitting him up into Denny. So it was just mm-hmm. uh unfortunate situation. And I'm like, Oh, we got all these stage points at least. So that's good. So if something bad happens, we can fall back on that a little bit, yeah. but he was, you know, in line here for possible top five finish. Yeah. The, the caution comes up at lap three thirteen for the 11 car from, you know, his tire going down. Uh, they stay out and uh, Roger ends up on the, on the radio here telling him, Hey, hard racing. You did a great, great job. Uh, remember the big picture. Um, so, you know, he's kind of like telling Ryan basically at this point, uh, keep doing what you're doing and, and 
you know, make sure you don't get up in somebody's accident because a good, you know, good finish right now would be, you know, perfect uh, with all those stage points, you know. So uh, choose cone, the leader to five took the bottom. Ryan took the top, putting Ryan in the third row. Restart lap 318. Um, you know, Ryan talks about being squirrely through one and two on these restarts. And and then this is part of the thing, you know, by, you know, by, th- you know, he loses a little momentum, but then he gets it back into three and four. So uh, we get a caution at lap 320 for the 19. Um, Ryan's still in sixth here. And, uh, you know, that was kind of dicey too. The 99 car had his line where he was at. And I don't think sometimes you'll hear it, but I don't think he was cleared by the, uh, the spotter, the 19, or maybe the spotter did clear him and he wasn't clear. You know, that was my biggest question was, you know, even it, it took a little while for, I think Jeff Burton to eventually say that <clears throat> again, I have a soft, soft spot for Suarez, but for to eventually say it wasn't Daniel's fault here and, and what happened. Cause my initial thing was what, where was the spotter at on that one? Like you could just see the 19 keep coming down, 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 doesn't stop. Boom spins, hits the wall. I'm like, well, would you, what did you think was going to happen? And someone had mentioned, you know, Oh, well maybe, you know, he saw it was the 99 and figured, you know, Oh, well I'm, I'm, I don't know. You're thinking about all of this in a split second, but you know, Oh, I'm a championship, you know, eight or, you know, round of eight driver. He'll probably cut me some slack. And, you know, Suarez had a fast car all day that actually Mm -hmm. kept them in the top 15 to top 10 second week in a row where they've run top 15, top 10, the entire race. So I'm, I'm assuming, and he said this on the radio too, like, you know, I'm up here battling, you know, for my team too. I'm not letting off. He didn't let off. And, Luckily, Truex, like you said, sort of similar to Denny's post-race, Truex basically said, yeah, I can't really. I came down, and, you know, I, I pinched him. I was pinching him. I was trying to pinch him, and we made contact, and I hit the wall. So mm-hmm. if anyone's angry at the 99, I mean, I, I feel like they uh, should watch the replay several times over yeah. and put yourself in his position. You're not just yeah, going to give up positions. Give up position. I mean, he was in good position. That's the thing. Uh, the choose cone here, the leader of the five takes the bottom right, takes the top row three for the restart at lap 325. And within a couple of laps here at lap 328, we had a caution for the 11, the 17, the 14. Um, Ryan's up to fifth at this point, staying out. Um, you know, Roger, Roger ends up on the radio here saying, too, that the, the 24 car might have a tire rub to be careful, uh, you know, if you line up behind him on a restart in case something happens, you know second week in a row where the eight and the 24 got together so i know they they didn't ex- i i know uh the eight apologized to byron after last week i, want, I don't know if there's any been any phone calls or text messages since then this week uh between those two but i'm sure there's no love lost now definitely yeah i think todd says something to, to roger here too about uh you know good looking out or something and roger says it's about time i did something up here you know <laughs> so a little levity there at least uh kind of take the pressure a little bit off there but we get a green white uh checker finish coming up uh ryan's p5 for that cone and the leader took the bottom ryan took the top putting ryan in row three um like i said in the 24 was actually the leader of the of ryan's line um and I, I took note here nine the nine was behind ryan at this point too because who's behind you on these things is important if if the nine sticks with them and pushes maybe that whole line moves but what ends up happening on a lot of these restarts especially at the end of the race is guys drop back a little bit or they start to push and then they try to fan out and all and try to make a move and all of a sudden you end up three wide or something like that um 
but Larson on the wild restart, Larson does win and Ryan ends up sixth. Uh, you know, he lost one spot on that restart, but you know, really solid day, you know, excuse me, uh, Rogers, you know, great job. You guys, you know, they, they maximize the day of Ryan in post-race interviews, um, you know, said they thought they were top three or four car and, and, and that would have probably been the deserving finish. Um, sixth is pretty good. Uh, but combined with all the points, um, it was awesome because they end the day, uh, Larson winning the race puts himself into the, into the championship, but Ryan is leading right now of all the other cars. He's 17 points above that cut line and they continue to do this the next two weeks and you know, who knows where they can go. Yeah. Basically at this point, we'll go into it probably a little bit deeper in our, after our Kansas preview, but one guy is going to get in on points. And Ryan's sitting there with the most points right now. So going into Kansas, they just want to kind of do the same thing. You mentioned you mentioned he had a post-race interview. Uh, worth mentioning, that's his first post-race interview, I think, uh, possibly yeah. since he won uh, Daytona. <laughs> I, I, I think we mentioned last week the Blaney fans were getting restless and they were vocal on Twitter. And I was doing my best part to retweet them and tweet at NASCAR and NBC. And uh, I seconds after i tweeted this week saying you know will they interview him boom he pops on the screen so it happened in the the twitterverse the blaney twitterverse was excited yeah there were a lot of good um you know that was that was nice there was an actual tv interview um there were some soundbite interviews later on too yeah. but uh, that uh, were kind of interesting some of the things that were said um uh like driving like a B pole um, <laughs> that the, these guys are going to have to do that. And that's exactly what, what I was, what we were talking about on these restarts uh, that the guys um, <clears throat> basically elbows up and you just got to take, 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 take. There's no more give and take. There's no more um, the way that this package is. There's no more of like, well, the guy's a 10th or two tenths faster. Let him go. You know, think about the long haul. No, we're just going to block, 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 block as long as we can take his line away, take his line away. And, um, you know, that's the type of racing it is. Maybe it'll change next year, but, uh, you know, the next, next week, at least, um, hopefully Ryan can continue to do that and, and stay right up there. So like you said, when it comes to the point standings for the round of eight, Kyle Larson has locked him into the championship four race at Phoenix. Ryan Blaney is in second plus 17 above the cut line. Denny Hamlet is in third plus nine. Kyle Busch has moved into fourth plus eight. Worth mentioning that Ryan went into this round just one point above the cut line in the fourth position. So he's moved from fourth to second and has gained 16 points to the cut line in this one race due to the, you know, the phenomenal finishes that he had in stage one, stage two, and that sixth place finish. Chase Elliott, the defending champion, is at minus eight below the cut line. Brad Keselowski, Ryan's teammates, minus 15. And here's two guys that are basically put themselves into must-win situations, but they're also two guys that can and are capable of winning at the next two races here. Martin Truex Jr., who we mentioned got in that accident with Daniel Suarez, is now minus 22 to the cut line, and Joey Logano at minus 43 after that engine failure. He pretty much needs, unless literally everybody crashes, he needs to win one of these next two races, either at Kansas or at Martinsville, to punch his ticket to Phoenix. Um... One Ryan stat update, I put it out there on Twitter after the race, but just the fact that Ryan has now set a new mark when it comes to uh, his career single season uh, number of top 10 finishes. He now has 19 top 10 finishes in 2021 that eclipses the mark of 18 that he set 
in during the 2019 season. Last year, he actually only amassed 17 top 10 finishes. So on the year, we got three wins, 10 top fives, 19 top 10s. So the next mark that he has to hit here is the top five mark. So his previous high was the past two seasons, 2020 and 2019, where he finished with 11 top five finishes. So we got three races to go. Um, I've said it multiple times, already your career year for Ryan when it comes to the wins and everything else. But yeah, I don't know. I follow stats. So it's just that one mm-hmm. extra little category there uh, where he can at least tie the number. But if he gets two top fives in these next three, next three races, he'll set career marks uh, across the board. And hopefully at that point, maybe he'll have led another 350 or so laps and, you know, sets a career mark and laps led to. But he's a little bit behind on that this season. But, hey, three wins, I'll take that over laps led any day because he led the most important lap in those three races. So that's that's what I got. That, that's the stats. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I said when we went into this playoffs overall, when we went into that first round, the – uh, with with the 16 drivers that it was exciting just the fact that you know Ryan had just won back-to-back races going into the playoffs and you know Blaney was seen as a true championship contender definitely in our eyes and now as the races have gone along definitely in the eyes of a uh, of a lot of the people that you know make predictions and follow along one thing that I did find interesting is that nascar.com on their uh, website for their playoff standings does put the odds up uh, on on who's going to win the championship, and Larson has the best odds at plus 250. Ryan Blaney, sitting second in points with 17 points to the cut line, has the worst odds of the eight drivers at plus 1600. Yeah. Uh, I That's one of those things where that's, you know, what do they call that? That's... um chalkboard material or bulletin board material that i'm hoping they have that highlighted out there on the penske shop right now because below him hamlin and kyle bush are both plus 800 and i know these can change day to day based on sports books and various things but you know chase elliott defending champ below the cut line plus 700 keselowski's plus 1100 truex plus 850 and logano in eighth back there plus 900 better odds almost you know uh double the odds that Ryan has to win the championship and he's sitting eighth, 43 points below the cut line. So I don't know. I kind of take that as a little bit of a slight. I understand that only Blaney and Larson are the only two drivers in this top eight that have yet to win a championship. So that's understandable that his odds wouldn't be as good, but I don't know. I feel like they've, they've done enough uh, throughout this playoff run to at least get a gain a little bit more respect, but Hey, I, I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm good cheering for an underdog, even though I don't really see Ryan in this 12 team as an underdog. A little, little bit of reality um, on that, though, is the next two weeks' races uh, of the teams of the eight drivers that are left, um, there are only two drivers that have not won at Kansas and have not won at Martinsville. Those two drivers are Larson and Ryan. And Ryan, yeah, I understand. So, <laughs> so I think that's what they're looking at more than anything else. What's what's What they're not pay, paying attention to just yet is how consistent they are at getting stage points and good finishes and staying out of trouble. Um, so they do that again this week coming up. But they do the, if they duplicate this week what they did last week, um, they almost could be at a point where they point themselves in, you know, in the first stage next at, at the last race. Um, what what's also find interesting at this point and what people really need to pay attention is a couple things on these points uh, at the end of stages. One, like I said, 
you win a stage, you get 10 stage points, but that extra bonus point thing, it goes away. That doesn't carry over to the championship race. So not a big deal there. Plus, there's only eight drivers in, in the chase right now for, the, uh, for those four spots. And so in that top 10 at the end of each stage, you're going to have at least two guys who are outside that top eight and sometimes more than two guys. And you're going to get a couple guys who don't get any points at all at the end of these stages. So um, those guys affecting the finishes, guys like Tyler Reddick, guys like uh, 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 William Byron, uh, who are running really fast right now, they could end up winning the race this next week and making it so that two guys can point in, you know, or if Larson wins again this week. So, and the thing is, is usually it's one of the eight guys who ends up winning these races uh, at this point. But right now there's a couple guys running out there so fast that you don't know that that 24 car could win this week and really help Ryan out. Yeah. There's three things that, uh, would be best for Blaney when it comes to the next two races here. One, first and foremost, is going out and winning Kansas and punching his own ticket uh, for that. Second would be for Larson to win. Well, maybe not even that. Second would be for, like you said, a William Byron, an Alex Bowman, somebody else outside of the, the eight to win. And third, Kyle Larson to win. It's it's fine. He can keep racking up wins. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm hoping for a good points day and solid finish. And somebody outside of, of Blaney, uh, Larson, or somebody outside of the field to win win this race at Kansas. But hey, I think that about wraps up our recap of the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 this past week at Texas. Why don't we go ahead and journey off into our weekly trip through the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. Up first for this week in NASCAR history, we go back to October 24th, 1954. Lee Petty finishes last in the season finale at North Wilkesboro Speedway, but secures his first NASCAR Grand National Championship. Petty finishes 283 points ahead of runner-up Herb Taubas. California driver Lou Figaro loses his life in a tumble three laps from the finish. Moving on to October 20th, 1968, sophomore Charlie Glotzbach records his first career win in the National 500 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Glotzbach edges Paul Goldsmith to give Dodge only its second Super Speedway win of the season. Up next, we go to October 21st, 1973. David Pearson captures his 11th win in 18 starts with a season-ending victory in the American 500 at Rockingham's North Carolina Motor Speedway. Benny Parsons pits for repairs. After an early crash, the help of several teams allow him to get back into the race and finish 28th. Parsons holds on to win the NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Championship by 67.15 points over Cale Yarborough. Wow, they had had points in decimals there back in 1973. Moving on to October 23rd, 1988. Rusty Wallace rallies from a three-lap deficit caused by a cut tire to win Rockingham's AC Delco 500. Wallace outruns runner-up Ricky Rudd by 13.5 seconds to score his fifth win of the season. And finally, for this week in NASCAR history, we end on October 23rd, 1994, with a narrow victory over Rick Mast in the 500-miler at Rockingham. Dale Earnhardt locks up a record-tying 7th and final NASCAR Winston Cup Championship. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune in again next week for the podcast as we take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. Ryan Blaney, Weekend Preview. Kansas Speedway. 
Okay, Steve, we're back at it again this week at my second favorite mile-and-a-half track on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit for the Hollywood Casino 400 this Sunday, October 24th at Kansas Speedway. You can catch the race at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN and then also on the radio with MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. The stage breaks in this race are going to come at lap 80, lap 160, and then the checkered flag will fall at lap 267, equaling 400.5 miles in this race. Again, the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway, and it's one of those races I'm looking forward to. Uh, they visit Kansas twice, so obviously they're there a little bit early as, earlier this year. Ryan had a pretty solid run going all the way until the end uh, of that race where he kind of was involved in a little bit of a mishap with our uh, you know, our points leader, Kyle Larson. Um, if you remember that race a little bit, they were on a late race restart. Larson was lined up behind Blaney. Larson pushed Blaney basically into the turn one wall. <laughs> so, and re- really ruined their both of their races. So, in that race earlier this year, Ryan went on to finish in the 21st position. Uh, but in 13 starts overall at this racetrack at Kansas, he has three top five finishes, six top 10 finishes, and he's led laps in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those 13 starts. He's led laps at Kansas. So, we talked a little bit about restarts at Texas where guys can fan out a little bit. Kansas is one of those tracks where guys fan out on restarts. They use the very bottom of the racetrack. There's no yellow line rule, so you'll often see guys cutting down below that white line there as they come to the start-finish line. So I think there's a chance here that it's going to be a little bit wild like some of those restarts were at Texas. But this is also one of those tracks where I think teammate Joey Logano in the past has won at, and there's there's some drafting kind of drafting involved almost kind of like what happened at Michigan so if Ryan can stay up in the top five put himself into position he's paired with spotter Josh Williams who's taken them to a couple of victories this year coached him through a couple of victories this year where being you know the spotter and driver combo was very very crucial to the victory so I don't know I'm excited for this week like I said my second favorite mile and a half track next to Homestead Homestead Miami Speedway. So I'm excited to watch this race on Sunday. You know, I listen to, uh, you know, trying to gather up different, different ideas and opinions, listen to podcasts, other people, and, uh, you know, some of the experts and so forth. And they kind of count Penske out of these tracks. And I really don't understand why, um, you know, Penske actually is pretty decent, these tracks. And if they can get out front, uh, they run really well out front. Um, Ryan is, you know, one at a mile and a half early in the year where he actually passed Larson. He's one of the last guys this year that actually tracked Larson down and passed him, you know, which really hasn't happened since then. And, you know, it's because that, you know, Penske has something figured out right with uh, uh, tire wear and being at long run speed. And, uh, you know, that's the situation we really hope to see this weekend. Um, Bob Pockross has Ryan starting second. You know, outside pole already. Um, I'm sure they'll announce it on Wednesday. I'm sure by what Thursday you'll see pit selection, um, and it'll probably be the same type of thing. He'll probably try to get the first or second pit stall, um, and let's be a leader the whole race. Stay out front, stay away from people, um, people, other people's problems, and um, hopefully, you know, once again, good pit strategy, uh, good stage points, um, and it's a really good chance to win a race this week. You know, uh, it's perfect time of year to do it, of course. Um, but like I said earlier, when we were talking about uh, some of these guys outside the top eight, even a guy like Byron or something like that gets up there, 
Um, you know, the two of them race for it. That'd be great. You know, uh, Byron wins, uh, doesn't kill Ryan at all. Um, but if Ryan, uh, Ryan's out near the front, I really think he's got a great chance to win this race this weekend. And, uh, uh, it's a, it's a great time of year to be a fan and, and to watch. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great race. I mean, I can understand why people are a little bit hesitant on Penske or maybe even just specifically Ryan this weekend because his best finishes at Kansas have actually come a little bit earlier in his career, many of them coming while he was still driving for that 21 Wood Brothers team, including uh, a third and a fourth place finish in, in the two races in 2017, and one of those included sitting on the pole in the spring race of 2017. Mm-hmm. He's had has had some struggles here, honestly, the last five races, 21st after that incident there with Larson. But again, keep in mind, he was starting that final restart on the outside of the front row, I believe, um, 7th prior to that, but then 20th, 21st, 32nd, and then another 7th place finish sandwiched in between a 37th place finish. So... He's had some incidents there. That 37th place finish was due to a crash. So, but they have speed. Those finishes aren't necessarily uh, reflective of how he was running during that entire race. And a lot of this stuff was, you know, what I'd like to call, you know, a previous Ryan Blaney. Um, I know last year and the year before getting a lot of criticism for not being able to put together full races, I think in 2021, especially maybe after the first 10 races or so after that Atlanta win, I think the, that 12 team putting together a full race, having struggles doing that is kind of a thing of the past. You've seen that throughout this playoffs when it comes to even just last week, finishing second, finishing third in those stages, finishing in the top 10, six, just outside of the top five. So, um, It's a whole new Ryan Blaney in 2021, a whole new 12 team in 2021. Todd Gordon has been on it when it comes to strategy. I'm sure he's, you know, been studying all week or the past couple of weeks getting prepared for this race. And all they have to do is win. And they're into that final uh, championship for Phoenix. But also, again, we, we just mentioned it in that previous segment that, you know, if Kyle Larson wins, they're in a good position because Ryan's plus 17 to the cut line. So if he just keeps gaining points in this race, you know, if Larson wins, if Ryan wins, obviously that's great. Somebody outside of that top eight wins, that's great because that opens up another position in the championship forward where you can get in on points. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. But why don't we go, Ted, and take a look maybe at some of the contenders that Ryan's going to have to put up with in this race. So let's look back at the past several people that have won at Kansas. So earlier this year in the spring, Kyle Busch went to victory lane. Then we have Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Truex, Truex, Harvick, Kyle Busch, Logano, Jimmy Johnson, Logano. So going back to 2014, there's multiple wins there for teammates uh, Joey Logano and then Brad Keselowski also has a win there. Truex won a couple of times back-to-back there. Chase has won. Hamlin is good there as well. And honestly, Hamlin's been good the last several weeks. He's gotten himself into a couple of incidents, though, that um, that have been detrimental to his playoff run. Um, Logano winning there in 2020, like I said, that was one of those races I think that he caught a lot of flack for. The package caught a lot of flack because he was just blocking the entire race, but that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I know some people don't like that racing, but it's also a skill. And um, I think it was the four or somebody that he blocked the whole way through to the end of that race and won. So Ryan, I think, has picked up a lot of that from his teammates because both Brad and Joey are very good at it. And like we said before, he has Josh Williams up in the spotter stand uh, being his, uh, you know, his eyes and ears up there uh, guiding him through to those finishes. So 
Kyle Busch, Logano, Hamlin, those are all guys. And going back to Keselowski, uh, all those guys are in the championship or in this round of eight and are, have their eyes on punching their chippy, their ticket to the championship four. So he's going to have to contend with all of them. Yeah, I, you know, this is, like I said earlier, I really like to see this race stay green for most of the race. Uh, you know, all these cautions, all they really do is bunch everybody up, and I'm sure it adds drama, and everybody loves the drama of a restart. Um, but in reality, when they get long green front uh, runs, the Penske cars are great, and uh, Ryan can get out front, or even if he's second or third after a restart, and they go 50, 60 laps, or a green flag pit cycle, he can catch that guy in front of him. I know he can. And, uh, you know, I think that they'd be, be best served to, to see some green, long green flag runs during this race. Um, Kansas, like I said, every once cautions happen, the cautions breed cautions. And that's what happened this past weekend, even, but, uh, you know, if, if everybody could stay a little bit clean and, and race clean, um, you know, pit strategies won't come into it. You'll just see a good driver doing his thing and getting out there. And I, that, I think that would best suit Ryan, uh, instead of having to get in all these um, situations where you have to race like an A beep, you know, because um, I, you know, I don't want to see everybody have to do that. But right now, everybody's elbows up, you know. Tell you what, they're all elbows up, and even guys outside of this round of eight all want to win. And just maybe I don't know if this is a good time to bring this up, but it was something kind of learned over the week. Um, they're coming down, only have three races left in this year, three races for this Gen 6 car, and teams are still, I don't know what Penske's plans are, teams are still bringing brand new cars to the racetrack, including Kevin Harvick in that number four team. Um, they had uh, somebody from the Stuart Haas shop saying that they just hung their last body, came out of brand new body that had come out of their shop there. Um other teams had mentioned last week, you know, somebody, I think it was actually even Harvick's uh, crew chief had posted a picture of the ser serial number on the car from last week saying one and done. It was a brand new car that they brought uh, this past week to Texas. And that car, I mean, it just shows you, I mean, I, I guess we don't, we probably shouldn't get wrapped up in how much racing costs and that kind of thing. But it's, it is kind of crazy to me that guys, uh, the teams are still bringing brand new equipment that they're only ever going to want and run in one race because they want to win. That's how much this means. Even to a team like Kevin Harvick and, and the four who have out of the playoff picture, they still want to win. And, and these teams are still bringing top notch equipment. So it's not like guys are just, you know, bringing two, three, four race old cars, uh, especially when it comes down to the championship uh, run. So it's no one's laying back. Like you said, everyone's elbows up and the teams themselves yeah. that want to win, they're spending the dollars to make mm -hmm. sure they can get there. Yeah, I mean, a guy like Harvick in, in a situation like that is that he was in the last round, and they planned this stuff out months ahead of time. So I guarantee you that when they started the playoffs, they knew they were going to build that car, hoping that he was still in the playoffs at this yeah. point, you know, hoping that that car would be able to be used, uh, you know, for the chance to get to the Final Four. Um, but, yeah, they, 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 as soon as they made the playoffs and knew they were going to be in the playoffs, they were planning out those cars already. Um, yeah, you know, so for it to be ready and, uh, you know, him to do what he did with it this past weekend, you know, uh, yeah, these guys that are outside the top eight, there are a couple of them that are looking in and thinking I could still win these races. You know, like I said, Tyler Reddick is definitely racing hard and William Byron right now, it seems a little ticked off, you know, he didn't make this round and I think he thinks he should have made this round. And right now I think he wants to show everybody, you know, that he belongs. 
I tell you what, Tyler Reddick is definitely a, a driver to watch. We'll go over our fantasy lineups, but I had him in my fantasy team this past weekend for a reason. Um, and he was also the one when that 21 car was coming open, I was pushing saying, you know, Mr. Penske might want to try and steal Tyler away from RCR. Obviously he didn't do that. And we have a quality driver in Harrison Burton. That's going to be coming onto that team next year as a satellite operation to Penske. But yeah, don't sleep on Reddick. But once again, Ryan Blaney, when it comes to Kansas, 13 starts, three top five, six top 10 finishes. If you want to catch this race on Sunday, October 24th, the Hollywood Casino 400, you can watch it at 3 p.m. Eastern time on NBCSN, or you can tune your radios to MRN in Sirius XM NASCAR radio. I tell you what, Steve, I've had a couple of back-to-back weeks in a pretty decent position for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, so I'm just going to go ahead and run through... Uh, my roster and and honestly the reason i'm having these good weeks is i just keep falling back on that plan of hendrick hendrick larson uh you know all that and then when it pays off it really pays off so uh my starting lineup for this past weekend's race at texas i had kyle larson got me 58 points because he won the race uh tyler reddick got me 32 points william byron 50 points austin dillon i was hoping that those rcr cars were both going to be really strong but austin only ended up getting me 23 points i had kyle bush in there as well with 40 points i think initially this was another race where i had kyle bush in the garage and bowman in my lineup but bowman ran into those struggles really early on in that race so i pulled him back into the garage Ended up burning another usage of Kyle Busch that I didn't necessarily want to, but it turned out pretty well with those 40 points. Um, really paid off here in my bonus picks. I only missed two of them. I had Kyle Larson as the race winner. Kyle Larson as the top Chevrolet. I had Ryan as the top Ford. It looked like it was going to be that way uh, for most of that race, but he did slip back there on that final restart to finish six. So um, that didn't work out. Kyle Busch being the top Toyota didn't work out, but I had Chevrolet, Hendrick Motorsports, as the winning manufacturer and winning team. So I had a pretty decent weekend when it came to fantasy points. How about you? Yeah, you know, um, I didn't do that bad. I did have Larson winning the race and Chevy and Hendrick, um, you know, but once again, same thing. I had Ryan's the top uh, Ford and I had Denny's the top Toyota. Now I'm running out of starts on guys and and uh, the Logano situation is really what kind of mm, messed yeah. me up. But I had Logano in there, and you know, finishing 30th didn't help me. Um, you know, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, or Denny finished 11th. But I mean, Kyle, Ryan, Larson, all being uh, top 10 guys. So I, I did do some decent points, um, but um, yeah, Joey, Joey kind of hurt me there. But for the most part, not too bad this week. Uh, I hung up there, pretty close to the top 10. Yeah, you had a pretty good week, so let's run through the top 10 in points earned and top 10 only. Uh, This past week at Texas Motor Speedway, and first we have Blaney Kicks Beep with 260 points earned, and second it was Go Larson just behind with 258, third Team Penske, fourth Supermod, fifth Spider Monkey, and sixth my team, Team Blaney Admin, 243 points, seventh Doug K0525, Eighth, we had the Nutty Gamer. Ninth, we had Moon Cup. And rounding out the top ten, we had Prime Minister 3 with 223 points. And unfortunately, there's just no other teams to mention here. After no, that, the so. 11th, yeah, that 11th place team was like one point out. Yeah, oh, top 10, okay, yeah. that's right. All right, all right. Mez 12 tied for 11th in a three-way tie with 222 points there with Rogue Tough in no hesitation. Let's take a look at our playoffs only leaderboard. Team Penske is in the top spot. 1,545 points. Second, Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. Third, Spider Monkey. Fourth, No Hesitation. 
Fifth, Mez 12, 1,496 points. Six, Doug K, 0525. Seventh, Supermod. Eighth, Go Larson. Ninth, Blaney Kicks. Beep. And rounding out the top 10 is Moon Cup with 1,446 points. And hey, here I am, moving up the leaderboard a little bit here. In 12th, Team Blaney Admin with 1,422 points. But hey, here are the standings that mean everything. Still holding down the overall league standings in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing in first with 6,581 points. Second, Doug K0525. Third, Blaney Kicks Beep. Fourth, Moon Cup. Fifth, Spider Monkey. Sixth, Rogue Tough. Seventh, Go Larson. Eighth, Mez12, your team, 6,183 points. Ninth, Glitterbugs. And rounding out the top 10, we have Vans12, 6,131 points. And then I moved up two positions, I believe, to the 19th spot. Team Blaney Admin, 5,000. 879 points now as you were saying we had our our picks all replenished going into the playoffs there and it seemed like you just had drivers for days and now we're both into that spot where we only have one or two or none for some of the top guys i do still have two starts left for kyle larson i only have i think uh one or two starts left for ryan so it's getting down to crunch time there trying to pick and choose i mean honestly you can probably start larson just about anywhere I probably would either start him this week or start him in Phoenix. Probably won't start him Start him at Martinsville just because the tension is going to be high, the pressure is going to be on, and I don't think anyone's going to play nice at Martinsville. So I think the possibility of getting caught up in, in a crash is very high. So, But Kansas is a place that I would not be shocked if the five team went out there and you know spanked the field again. Yeah, I got uh, – yeah, I've, I also put – uh, William Byron. Um, like, I really do think that William Byron has a shot to win this race. Uh, He's motivated. Yeah. Well, especially since the five car has won the one, his way in already. Um, there was no way, um, they, they were talking about team orders and stuff like that. I guarantee you that if Byron would have ended up in front of Larson, uh, Larson would have found a way around him before the end of the race. But now if it's those two and they're racing, uh, William can put his nose up there in, there in there and not worry about whether or not he bumps uh, the five out of the way. So uh, I think William could be totally aggressive. The only guy he couldn't be aggressive around right now would be the nine car because they're going to put all their eggs in the nine car basket there at Hendrick trying to get that nine car into, into the championship four. But if William is racing around anybody else, um, he's going to go for it. And uh, he's a, he's a dangerous individual to race around right now because he, he really thinks, I think he really believes he should be, with these these eight guys right now and he's going to show these eight guys uh what he's worth right now he's been in it the last several races he had he had a chance to win there at the roval he had a chance to win this past week he had a chance to win in several other races this year and um one th- actually thing that you just reminded me of there when you're talking about them putting all their eggs in the nine cars basket is the fact that oftentimes at this point in the season penske doesn't always have all their cars in in last year's case they had Logano and Keselowski still battling out to get to the championship four so they could pull some resources away maybe from the 12 team to work on that they don't have I don't even want to call it a luxury because it's great to have all three teams still alive in the playoffs but Hendrick you know they only have two cars left in the playoffs so they can pull a few resources here and there maybe a way uh, to focus on trying to get you know now all the way down to just the nine car trying to get him into being able to to battle to uh, defend his championship. Some of the other organizations at JGR and elsewhere, they have guys that aren't in the playoffs. They can pull some resources away. But 
I don't know. I, I still think the the twelve teams clicking, so I'm not worried about it too much. But there there could be a benefit there. I, I've heard crew chiefs this week in interviews say that they do. It, it's true. They 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 put their focus on trying to get as many of their organization's cars in championship in that championship race. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I like you said, I, I I can totally understand. I'm not necessarily rooting for Byron to win this week, but he's going to be up there and he's going to be in contention. And he is motivated after what's happened to him the last couple of weeks. You know, it's funny. Um, we're talking about Hedrick, Hendrick there. And um, Harvick made the statement uh, about Chase uh, should figure out what the what the five car is doing. Because you know what? We talk about pulling resources and, and whatnot, but they're in the same shop. They're, they're building the same exact car. And the guy who drives that five car is doing a much better job with that equipment than uh than the uh, defending champion. So I think the defending champion, I think Harvick was right. It was a shot across the bow, but he's right. Uh, something's going on with the nine. And I don't quite understand why the nine's not as competitive as the five is every week. What's crazy to think about those, the fact that we're saying, and people said, have said Harvick's had a bad year. Just thinking of Harvick. Oh, he's had such a terrible year this year. Yeah. You know, he has, I think the, I think I did the stats on that second or or the third or fourth most top 10 finishes out of any driver this year. It's like, you you have to see where the goalpost is. Oh, the nine struggling. Oh, oh, he only finished, you know, seventh or sixth or eighth this week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess when you're used to running in the top five every week and you finish just outside. Yeah. I I could see where people get that at, but that, that was a dig. I know, I know Harvick, you know, they're saying they're over it and all this stuff. There's no more, they're not going to act on their feud anymore, but I did think that was kind of funny it's like he needs he needs to spend some time on figuring out why he's he's slower than uh the guy that has the same exact car as you but it's just funny just thinking of the overall it's like oh yeah they're running so terrible you know winning races and stages and finishing in the top five and top ten yeah how terrible can that be well chase you know chase is the best road course guy okay so when there's a road course involved in the playoffs or there's a road course involved in the regular season he's usually the guy to beat um but this year, moving um, moving Larson in, into the into the mix, there, he's definitely showed what the car could do at all the other places. And um, you know that direct comparison is kind of you know it's easy to make because they are on on the same team using the same equipment, and it's just kind of I, I don't know. It's Larson is just that good right now, and you know if something if somebody else wins the championship, um, it's going to have to take somebody basically. Um, punting the five car out of the way to do it, I think. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned this road course thing. Larson's actually won more. He's won three road course races this year to Chase's two, and Chase has only won on a road course this year. He hasn't won on an oval yet, so he's got a you know three races upcoming here to change that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's. I, I also think maybe Chase's ability and just Hendrick's setup has also helped. Larson when it comes to that but I do think a lot of what's happening over there in that five car is the driver Mm -hmm. Um, finally put into a position I mean he was in good equipment at Ganassi he's in great equipment at Hendrick and it's and it's paying off for them so um, I'll make my bold prediction right now it's probably too early I can probably save it for the Phoenix preview but I also don't think Kyle Larson's going to win the championship and I don't think it's going to be his fault I think it's just the and I'm not saying it's a good or bad way that we crown our champion. I think it's just, it's so volatile. And um, I don't think Larson's going to win it. So I'm not going to predict two. I hope Blaney is, it makes it into the championship four and has a shot. But um, 
I think it's just it might be one of those situations where Larson's probably going to come in. He has eight wins now, might come in with nine, could even come in with ten if he wins the next two straight. But one little tiny thing, cut tire, you know, speeding penalty, especially on a track like Phoenix. It's not a, it's not a short track, but it's also not an intermediate track. It kind of falls in the middle at what a mile or a little over a mile or something like that. It's shaped a little bit weird. Um, there's just so many things that, that can go into that final race. And I'll leave a lot of that for that, that championship preview for our, our, our Phoenix podcast. But um, I don't know, bold prediction right now. <laughs> Kyle Larson's not going to win the championship, but it's not going to be because he made a mistake. I think it's going to be because somebody else on his team makes a mistake or someone else driving around him makes a mistake. But, but hey, I think that's enough for this week. I think we've wrapped it up. We've run through everything, a recap, a preview, our fantasy, our mm-hmm. This Week in NASCAR History, and another great edition of the Team Blaney Podcast. Yeah, what time does it start on Sunday? 3 p.m. Eastern Time, NBCSN. Oh, I'm already nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous last week, or I was he's, yeah going into this race last week. Still nervous for he's, sure. He's, he's starting second, and that's the that's the best place to be. Uh, you know, hit up on the front row because you know it. Anything can happen on those restarts. But uh, man, what a good weekend this should be. Um, hopefully, everybody can enjoy the weekend. Get to that Sunday. Uh, get your popcorn ready for three o'clock, and uh, hopefully, we have a good weekend to talk about next week. All right, let's do it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or even my co-host, Teve, please listen to our very first episode that dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney, on Instagram at Team.Blaney. And don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney Podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify podcasting apps. You can also catch the podcast in your Facebook feed. Hit the play button right there and you can listen to it there. Once again, to close out the show, we want to take some time to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. Yeah, this weekend coming up is the Walk Den Alzheimer's for the Charlotte area. Ryan did post something today on his Twitter. There's a link there to join the Team Blaney Walk to End Alzheimer's, uh, whether you can be there in person or, um, you know, uh, uh, donate uh, through the website there. So go ahead and do that if you can. Um, that's the real Team Blaney. And I think that's Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon there in Charlotte. Um, so, you know, help them out. Uh, they help us out all, all year long here, um, and uh, you know it's a great, uh, great organization that that Ryan uh, is uh, part of. Yeah, just like you said, when it comes to October and it comes to time for the walk to end Alzheimer's, the real team Blaney you want to be a part of is that team that goes and participates in the walk and raises money and awareness for that Alzheimer's Association. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin. Go, Ryan. <laughs>